Hi, this is Chris Bilton at University of Warwick, and you're listening to the We'll Meet Again podcast, life under lockdown in the cultural and creative industries. Over the next few weeks, I'll be talking to people working in the arts and media about how they and their organisations are adapting, what has changed under lockdown, what might change in the future, and what needs to change. In this episode, I'm talking to Joe Unwin of the Joe Unwin Literary Agency. Joe is talking to me via Zoom from her back garden, where if you listen closely, you may even hear the sound of birds tweeting in the background. Hello, Joe. Hello. Um, uh, nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. How is your work currently different? How has it changed uh, over the last seven weeks? Well, it's um, entirely different and not different at all in a way. Um, it's entirely different because I'm not seeing my colleagues or the editors who I would normally be talking to to find out what they want to buy and the publishers who are taking me out to lunch to persuade me to because they want to publish my authors and the authors who I you know, would normally be having coffees with Endlessly talking to day in day out about what they're doing and how it's going and all of that has just stopped like for everybody and so I'm doing all those meetings and calls and um, all online and it's difficult because you don't have any because of that you don't have any accidental either bumping into somebody in the street or a kind of longer conversation where you suddenly go, oh, I've thought of a book that you might like that I could talk to you about. You know, those kinds of incidental things that that they're not happening. There's no real impact on my business yet, but I'm so aware that there's going to be that I did think I sort of jumped the gun a bit and furloughed a couple of staff because I just thought, I just know that times are going to be harder as, as we go along. So that means I'm kind of doing three jobs. So where I would normally be doing someone's contract, um, I would hand that on to my contracts person. At the moment, I'm doing it all myself. So, so it's changed a lot as well as business as usual. Yeah. And, the, and I suppose that social side, as you say, it's the it's the unpredictable encounter because you can obviously you can do what we're doing now and you can have a scheduled call with somebody, but you can't have the, the more fluid interactions, which must be a lot of how business gets done, I, I, I guess. That's right. And, you know, like, I mean, even in the lift, like um, Hachette and Penguin Random House are big kind of you know, uh, kind of mega, mega houses that have merged lots and lots of different imprints. So you would be in the lift at at um, Random House and you'd see people who are working on other books, not the one you've come in to talk about. And you'd go, oh, by the way, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah, it, it, it is very different. And at the other end of the pipe, are publishers publishing? Is, it, is everything kind of clogged up now? Um, it's interesting. They've kind of decided that there are certain books that will do well in these times, um, which I can talk about. There's also some books that were so far along the publishing schedule that they couldn't suddenly stop it. Um, You know, they couldn't suddenly uh, postpone it. But quite a few books are being shunted into next year or at least the autumn um, because they just don't think they can get the publicity and the attention for things. Because so much of the publicity campaigns are about... um, Usually, I mean, in normal times, uh, so much of the publicity campaigns are about kind of um, going around to bookshops, talking to people, 
doing events, doing recorded events, doing, uh, sorry, not doing recorded events, doing um, live events, live, sorry, yeah, doing live events and um, talking to people face to face is really a lot of how people get books, you know, into people's hands. The work of artists, authors and so on is dependent upon face to face contact. You think about the music industry and how the, the music industry is so dependent on live performance. That's that's how you don't make money out of, out of recordings because everybody's streaming and downloading stuff for very little or for free. So yeah. you, you try and make your money out of live performance and musicians are having a terrible time. And I suppose with authors too, that's a big side of their work. It often is. I mean, there, there's a kind of resentment with lots of authors who kind of say, hang on, I'm an introvert. And I like sitting at my kitchen table writing my book and I don't like going around meeting people and I don't like that being forced upon me or being a sort of um, prerequisite for a publishing deal because quite often publishers will say, well, what's your social media profile? And then are you, you know, how do you feel about going around and doing events? And how do you feel about sitting on a panel? And how do you feel about doing festivals? And how do you feel about going around to bookshops and talking to the booksellers um, personally? And, you know, completely, it's completely within their right, various authors' rights to just go, no, that's not me at all. I don't fancy that. That's not the way I operate. Are authors also dependent on other jobs presumably a lot of I mean not that many authors earn all their money from royalties and from writing so so they're working in universities teaching doing all kinds of other stuff and presumably a lot of that other work has dried up for them as well yeah yeah and also I mean alongside that a lot of people who are parents or carers or you know um, have other commitments where they've been able to sort of outsource some of that or send children to school or um, have nannies or well not many have nannies but I don't know you know have have help with day-to-day life commitments a lot of people just you know can't have that at the moment yeah I think I think academic work there's a lot of there's a lot of female research academics who are, who are much, who, they're not they're not submitting journal articles at the moment they're not you know and there's going to be a drop yeah and there's going to be lots of older male people like me. You've got teenage children who can kind of fine, you know, carry on business yeah. as usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, publishing is very much a female, um, female-led industry. It's it's very, very heavily proportionately female, though <laughs> typically not at the very top, but um, right up to the very top. It's it's very predominantly female, and a lot of those women have you know have small children, and it fall, it seems to fall to them often to have to be to be doing childcare. I, I think in the film industry, there's a feeling that, film and TV, that, that when, when things eventually free up in the film industry, that, that the industry is going to really put all their resources behind the big hits that are going to make them a lot of money very quickly. And it's going to be much harder to get the sort of more niche, more wacky, more different types of stuff through. And I wonder whether there's anything of that in the publishing industry as you see it. There is, but you'd be you'd be a fool if you didn't acknowledge that it's often the outlier that makes that suddenly makes the vast you know that it you know who would have been able to predict that um, well normal people say which is you know so many sixteen million people have been watching on TV very hard to imagine that a little literary novel about a love affair would be um, you know would be as big as it has been. Um, they want well. What they want, mood-wise, they're saying is uplit, i.e., literature, uplifting literature, um, which you know, warm and comforting and nice and easy to read. Um, 
I'm not sure. Anecdotally, I think there's quite a lot of kind of horror also being being sold and being, you know, people are thinking, uh, people are buying, uh, publishers are buying. So that might be what comes out a lot next year. But whether that'll be what people want to read, if, you know, if this is calming down and we're beginning to be allowed back into the world. I mean, in your industry, that's surely true all the time that you're having to guess. I don't know what the time frame is from... For, from for, for, I usually always I always tell my students it's time to market is slow time in market is short and mm-hmm. and that you're having to predict the future quite you know six months a year I don't know how far down the line presumably that's a, just harder now than it was exactly I mean it's it's at least a year always it's very 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 rare I mean you can rush out a book um, you know sometimes there are just moments when you know something it seems so timely that it can be turned over in a very short space of time but usually um it takes about a year between acquisition i.e the moment the publisher signs a contract and says i want to publish this book and it actually coming out and yeah none of us know what next year is going to look like at all mm. the business model of publishing itself is is you know a, a quite a considered careful process of publishing and editing publishing and that that process takes time whether there is a kind, whether there is a possibility of the, of people putting stuff out in different formats, shorter formats, online, digital, etc. There's there's lots of that. There's lots of people. Everybody is trying to reinvent everything at the moment, aren't they? In a way, and mm-hmm. people are, um, yeah, there are people trying to, uh, you know, short stories suddenly seem. It seems like people's attention spans are shorter, and. Uh, so so there's a moment for short stories and even flash fiction i.e stories for less of less than 500 words um there's a lot of that yeah there's a lot there's a lot of opportunity but whether that can be monetized is um is yet to be seen um you know my author kit deval um sort of saw that this looming thing of um all the festivals all being cancelled throughout the summer so she did this thing called the big book weekend which was a digital um festival where festivals from all over britain um and ireland i think were um you know submitted three of their top events and they were all done online um and they were and it was absolutely brilliant and it was a huge success and it had um you know, thousands, I mean, tens of thousands of viewers at any given time, people looking in to see um, established authors, but also um, brand new ones. Um, But again, you know, whether people then clicked through to buy the books that were being talked about, or whether people, I don't know, and, and that's yet to be seen. And so people are trying to work out if there are ways to, yeah, ways to get authors paid, because that's, creative work shouldn't, be for free as an author you could be very active doing lots of stuff like that there's a lot of noise and a lot of energy and it's interesting and as a consumer it's great because you're getting all this stuff for free mm. mostly yeah but not great as a creative because you're not being paid yeah you mentioned you mentioned kit deval and she's she's led a, a debate really about the um exclusion of a lot of working class voices from literary fiction especially i mm-hmm. guess do you see uh, any good things any silver linings in all of this are things changing freeing up at all well one thing is that publishing has always been really um incredibly london-centric and 
very often, you know, I've had to really stop a publisher in their tracks who said, I don't know that I'm going to offer for this person, but if they, you know, if they're coming past and they just want a cup of coffee and we can talk through other ideas, I'd be really interested to meet them. And you think, do you know what you're asking? You know, this guy lives in Newcastle and it's, you know, a train fare is, is going to absolutely, that's going to be his week's wages. Are you serious? So I'm very, um, I am encouraged by us all working like this on Zoom and um, um, remotely because I think that, that it does, it's quite a leveler because, you know, if you've got internet, then you can be in the conversation in a way. Yeah, I mean, the guy, I think it was the head of Faber in, in the newspaper weekend was talking about um, also not just authors, but also the people who work in publishing, that you could actually yeah. have a more dispersed staff. You could have people uh, working from home, which would also perhaps change the dynamics of the workforce, but also different locations as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is a, that is a, a possibly a, an upside. It's so hard to know, isn't it? What, what things are going to be like when lockdown finishes. It may be that this is the start of a, of, um, of a kind of movement away from big offices in London. I don't know. I hope so. I hope so in a way, but I also really miss that. Like I was saying, that moment when you bump into somebody in the lift and you say, oh God, hang on, you don't know about this. I need to tell you about that. Um, Is there any digital substitute for that? Do, do, do people have conversations on Twitter or that, that, that could spark similar connections or not really? They, they tend to be within their own bubbles, maybe. It's a bit bubbly, isn't it? But also it's probably um, something that's going to develop because people, you know, if I'm noticing it, everybody else is going to be noticing it too. I, I mean, the other side, I suppose, that people worry about is, is the, the talent pool, you know, people just thinking, people who, people who haven't perhaps got properly started yet, just thinking, I can't do this career as a, as a writer. This is, this is not going to mm. be possible. I, I mean... Is, is that something that you think might happen? Authors tend to have a need to write and they, they write, they've written, the ones I, you know, the ones that stand out in my submissions um, tend to be people who've say, who say, I've written stories since, I'm, since I was 10 and I've never stopped writing, but I now feel age 39 that possibly I've written something that might be worth showing. You know, it's not a sort of, uh, it, it's, it's like a compulsion and I can't see that people will be less compelled to write. I suppose it's more just whether they will have the, the take the risk of getting in touch with an agent or a publisher and saying, I think I might have something. I think that's the case anyway. And I mean, it's always been the case. And it's, I feel that part of my job is to, you know, to find the people who are less likely to think that they have a right to be at the table and to... Um, to try and encourage them. And in fact, um, we were planning a, a JULA tour of um, the North because the North is particularly underrepresented. There are lots of Scottish authors and there are quite a few um, from the Midlands and there are obviously billions from inside the M25 and um, near Bath and Bristol. But there, there are very, very few authors published it from the North of England. So we were going on a little tour. We had a tour planned to go around to try and you know talk to people and say what well, you know send us your work because it's not like they're not writing people from the north of england and by that i mean north of york mm -hmm. um but not yet scotland are absolutely massively underrepresented it's extraordinary yeah there must be something about infrastructure there mustn't there? i mean it's yeah. not just 
not just the fact that, as you said, the publishing industry itself is very London-based, but things like festivals or readings. I mean, there's so much of that stuff that happens around in in London that if you're Mm. a if you're a budding author, you can you can read your short story out every week somewhere (laughs) probably. Um, (laughs) And the industry is having to reinvent itself very quickly and find different different channels of communication. The festival that you talked about that Kit organised, mm. saying, well, a festival doesn't have to be um, people in a tent in Hay and Y. It could be, and it, it actually might be more democratic if it's something that people can log into from wherever they are in the world. That was one of her first, you know, that was one of her very first sort of opening ideas is that, you know, suddenly now you can be, you know, you can be a full-time carer for some for an elderly person and yet still be at a book festival. What do you what what do you think are the things that are most worrying for the industry out of all of this? What what are the things that you worry about? I worry of a kind of race to the middle. I mean, because it because it's been harder and harder and harder to sell literary fiction. I really worry that the that 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 the money's gonna run out and that people aren't gonna get paid anymore. Um you know, I think it, it's going to, I don't know what's going to happen next year or the year after, but, you know, we're clearly going into a massive recession. The more um, experimental independent publishers may lose their way, lose their, lose traction. The big ones will, there'll be lots of job losses and, you know, but again, this is all worry. Who knows? I just don't know. I think you're right though, surely, that it is going to be, there is going to be a consolidation and some smaller business is going to go under and some and bigger yes. business is going to get, are going to be get more dominant. And the same with the fiction as well, sort of, as you said, a race to the middle. It's going to get harder for those slightly more wacky, fringy things to, to find yeah. their feet and find their, audience, find their readership. I don't know. But then, but then there might be some other, some other formats, some other things coming through. We've talked about the, the slight decentralisation, maybe the shift away from London, opening out yeah. digital. So digital, but also um, artisanal, you know, people mm. doing, you know, people... Uh, people who are kind of doing amazing, suddenly discovering their, you know, their love of of the physical. So kind of lovely old printing presses and lovely um, uh, illustration and beautiful physical things are going to provide great comfort. Yeah, which has been, which is the flip side to online content is that people, mm. that some, you know, actually book design has probably become more important, getting things that look nice and feel nice and smell nice even when you open yeah. the pages, yeah. just wandering around bookshops and looking at them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that, the other thing that, um, that digital has, still hasn't really worked out how to do is just what they call browsability. You know, you, mm. it, it's really on the, you know, everybody's so... Um, surveillanced surveyed and so um studied and it's always if you like this book you might like this spondex washing up brush you know that's going on all the time but there's nothing like just the freedom of being in a space and just following your nose yeah it's like it's it's from it's it's from a reader's point of view the same as what you were saying from a publisher's point of view random encounters isn't it that you can yeah you can just bump into a book or an author or a publisher and something can happen and yeah. if you if you kind of streamline that all down through algorithms, that's never going to happen. And you're just going to have a very sensible, measured, metricized kind of industry. It's kind of like it's what I feel like when I when I look at Amazon's not just the book recommendations, but also the way that they make television. I mean, compared mm-hmm. to 
Netflix, which I suppose seems to manage it better. Is there anything that anything that else that we should say or that you think we've missed out? I do think that people that creative people will always be creative, and that is an exciting thing. It's an, it's exciting to think how how this moment is what this moment is going to translate into and what's going to come out of it. It's exciting to think of all the writing that's being done and the creative thinking around publishing. It does feel like a, fu- a, a new future and a different future, and we don't know what it is, but it, it, it's, it feels fun. That was Jo Unwin talking to me from her back garden on Saturday the 16th of May about the world of publishing. Uncertainty, decentralisation, the need for writers to be paid, but also remembering the undigital, the artisanal and the accidental, the chance encounters between people, places and objects which can change us. And living with uncertainty, we don't know the future of publishing, but in the present we are having to do things differently. In lockdown, our dreams are more vivid. Uncertainty breeds creativity. The job of the publishing industry is to provide a channel for that creativity to come out. I'd like to thank Joe for her time, and I'd like to thank Mike Ruchinski for teaching me and helping me make these recordings. Thanks again to Rob Bilton for the music, and thanks to you for listening. I'm Chris Bilton from University of Warwick, hoping that we'll meet again.